Hi listeners, it's Kat here from Cast a Guest. I just wanted to take a quick minute outside of the show to let you know about empowerment coaching. I know this is probably confusing a lot of people right now. Outside of telling you about true crime, I work as a life coach, helping others achieve their goals, break down barriers, eliminate limiting beliefs, or anything else a person may need guidance to achieve their most authentic life. The world has been upside down since 2020, and I know a lot of us may be lost, confused, or unsure as to what we want and how to get there. If you think speaking with a life coach may help you, please feel free to contact me at alteregowellness at outlook.com or at alteregowell on Instagram. Okay, now back to our show. Hey folks, welcome to another exciting and fun-filled episode of Cast Cast. Just kidding, this is True Crime, and we got a shitty one for you. Shitty and weird. And you can tell it's going to be fucking weird just by this list. This is what we got for you. We got lime green jumpsuits, dogs eating tattoos, the 12 principles of magic, and jamming two pens into one's eyes. If you think the first three items sound like a real shitty spin-off in the Harry Potter universe, and the last item being what you do immediately after watching that shitty spin-off, be wrong. No, today, today we are talking about the Children of Thunder. Again, weird. Let's get into this. I'm John. And I'm Kat. And this is Castagast. Hello, You're hello, so- everybody. You're such a... My name's Castagast. <laughs> You're such a scene stealer. You are a scene stealer. Did you... Have you seen my wife? Mm, god damn. Okay. Shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Mm, oh, yeah. All right. Hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to another goddamn episode of Castagast. I feel like we have like our 1-900 voices on right now. Well, people probably don't remember what 1-900 is, but do they still do those? I didn't even know about 1-900. There's sex lines. No. Oh, is that those were sex lines? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Now the recollection hits. Your mom is like, John, why is our phone bill so high? <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone when I'm cleaning my room. <laughs> and that was when, like, they're, not every kid had, like, their own phone in their room. You had to use, like, the kitchen phone and stretch the cord into, like, another room. And then, like, pinch it between a door. <laughs> Well, folks, we're at that time where a disclaimer must happen because there are sensitive souls in the world. And those souls don't like the things that we like. They don't like to make fun of criminals, murderers, and rapists. They don't like the ridicule of their shitty families who created Not them. all of their families It are does. Shitty. It's that shit makes shit. <laughs> or, you know, some shit cops who don't fucking fall up on leads and are dink asses. Or shit reporters who exacerbate the whole fucking issue. There's a lot of shit 
that happens in true crime. And we like to make fun of those people and try and keep it as light as possible because, God damn it, true crime is depressing. And you know what? Even though my beverage always tastes like hugs, we got to keep it light. So for those of you who don't like that, fuck off. <laughs> and for the rest of you, grab a, a nice cold adult beverage and let's get right pissed as we get pissed off. Good luck. All right, let's get on with the goddamn show. Okay. Glenn Taylor Helzer. Who I, I, I have to really? say. Really? Three, not even three words in. I just have to say, I really don't like people named Glenn. Well, if you would let me get to the fucking next sentence. (laughs) Okay, go on. Glenn Taylor Helzer, who went by his middle name Taylor, was born July 26, 1970 in Lansing, Michigan. His parents, Jerry and Karma Helzer, were devout Mormons. They had two other children, a daughter named Heather and a son named Justin, both younger than Taylor. There isn't really anything to report in regards to their upbringing. Taylor and the other kids had a pretty easygoing childhood. Taylor was described as being charming and a people person. His younger brother is a little more shy and more introverted than his older brother, who he looked up to so much. Despite being more introverted, he was on the high school wrestling team. Taylor graduated from Ignacio Valley High School, and as part of a Mormon requirement, he had to complete two years of missionary service. Jesus, missionary service? Like, what the fuck? Like, what is missionary service? Yeah, it's like service to others. Oh, I thought, like, missionary service is like, we're going to, like, the Amazon, and we're going to fucking convert. Well, Taylor, uh, Taylor headed to Texas to serve in the National Guard, then made his way to Brazil as a missionary. When he completed his service and returned, he got a job as a stockbroker at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter in San Francisco. You know, that's the life path of every missionary. Yeah. You know, you just, you're, you're in Brazil one moment and then a stockbroker the next. <laughs> yeah. Easy peasy. Taylor entered the dating scene and was quite successful, his good looks and charm helping him along the way. He met a woman named Anne and the two got married in 1993. They had two children together, but after three years of marriage, they separated. Taylor no longer wanted to live the husband life. He was done being a Mormon and wanted a normal life. He began partying, going to raves and clubs, because that's what a normal life is. That sounds horrific to me. He was born in 1970, so I guess at 23, that's not a midlife crisis. He just wants to be a 20-year-old. Yeah, that's a very good point, because he got married at 20. Wow. Anyway, so, yes, so he started going to raves, bars, and clubs. He started using drugs, drinking, and sleeping with women. In 1998, the Mormon church excommunicated him due to this behavior. It took them five years to excommunicate him? And don't you just picture the guy from John Wick just calling him into the room, and it's like this very scary, like, Hispanic-looking man, just like, you are excommunicante. So it was around the time that he was excommunicated that Taylor started to slip out of reality. He started to consider himself a prophet. Oh my God. (laughs) He developed something he called the 12 principles of magic. Oh my God, he's going to start Hogwarts. (laughs) Which he wanted his followers to abide by, which only consisted of his brother and a girl named Dawn, but we'll get to that later. And why she was named Dawn. (laughs) These 12 principles were, one... 
I am already perfect and therefore can do, can't do anything wrong. Two, there is no such thing as right and wrong. Three, I am all powerful and therefore the creator of and accountable for everything that occurs in my life. Four, life is always right. I embrace all of my results. Five, all of my results I have created to learn from at some level. Six, I know nothing. I believe nothing. I simply perceive without fear. Seven, it is of no concern to me how accurate or inaccurate my perceptions are, and therefore, I am always right. Jesus, this person sounds like Amber Heard's sister. Yeah. Eight, unconditional fearless love is the most powerful force in the universe. Nine, spirit knows. What? Spirit knows? (laughs) Ten. Who's spirit, and what does he know? Ten, I gain total control by losing all control. Eleven, Life is such a precious gift, and when I give back to life, immediately life gives more back to me, and therefore I am forever in its debt. What goes around comes around. 12. There is a higher power than mine, and that is my Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of my Father. Jesus, I... I, (laughs) Getting Jesus right in there at the end was kind of like a slap in the back of the head, like, oh... None of what you said had anything to do with Jesus, but we're going to bring him in anyways. Toss it in there. Yeah, this, he would have liked this. Taylor's plan was to recruit Brazilian orphans to assassinate the Mormon leaders so that he could take over the LDS church. What the fuck is this guy? Like This sounds like the like a plot from a Metal Gear Solid game a little bit. <laughs> he wanted to start a self-help group called Transform America, which would create a state of peace and joy. He wanted to call himself and his followers the Children of Thunder. I have to say that's an epic fucking name. (laughs) The Children of Thunder. Colonel. (laughs) We were the military Sun Frontiers. We came in from Tanzania. All right, Chef. In 1999, Taylor and his brother went to a murder mystery night at a Mormon church. It was there that they met Don Godman, which, like, ironic last name. Are you saying that a fucking self-proclaimed prophet with like 12 tenants of the principles mm. of magic went to a murder mystery yeah night. he went there to scout <laughs> out people that's and what they were Jesus all dressed would have done he went to murder mystery nights too and that's how he got like six of the 12 apostles and they were all like dressed in black and stood out like sore thumbs <laughs> judas it... was definitely the murderer <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't no, i'm saying that's what taylor and his brother did oh. <laughs> it wasn't long after their meeting that don and taylor started dating She fell head over heels in love with Taylor. She soon moved into the home that Taylor and his brother Justin shared. This is where things really took a nosedive. Justin and Dawn completely believed that Taylor was a prophet. They were the newest and only members of his Children of Thunder cult. Taylor has talked Dawn into joining a self-help seminar for confronting your inner demons. The group just locked themselves into a windowless room for four days. After completing two of the three tiers of the program, Taylor then took over the lessons and would spiritually guide Don. This is fucked up. Taylor now wanted to work on his Transform America scheme, the one that would have recruited Brazilian children murdering LDS church leaders for his ultimate LDS takeover. But he needed the money to do it. I feel like, can you, does this not seem like a, a... Team America plan. Oh my god, it sounds like so many things. 
He had a plan in mind. From his previous time as a stockbroker, Taylor had two senior clients that he knew had lots of money. Before executing his plan, he needed help. He asked Dawn if she would kill in God's name. She told him that she would consider it a blessing. The next step required for the plan was to have someone launder the money, a person to open accounts, deposit, and cash the money. Enter 22-year-old Selena Bishop. Taylor had met Selena at a rave and told her that his name was Jordan. Selena was a waitress in San Geronimo. She was also the daughter of blues guitarist Elvin Bishop. Selena would gush about her new boyfriend, Jordan, but friends were a little bit concerned with how secretive this Jordan was. He wouldn't tell Selena anything about him, not even his last name, and he wouldn't let her take pictures of him. In July of 2000, Taylor helped Selena move into her studio apartment. Taylor refused to meet any of Selena's family or friends. It wasn't until Jennifer Vellerin, Selena's mother, made an unannounced visit to her daughter's apartment that she finally met Taylor, oh, also yeah, known as Jordan. Ah, there, I've seen you. I've seen you. I know your face now. Selena's mom later told her friends that he was cute and seemed like a nice kid. She's probably, she's probably also the other, like, the kind of person who's like, I, I'm a good judge of character. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that people who say that about themselves are not good judges of character? Yeah. Like, as they're saying it, I'm thinking, what do they think of me? Yeah. Because I think they're assholes. <laughs> Taylor had no feelings for Selena and no interest in her joining the Children of Thunder, which she knew nothing about. He only needed her for one thing, and that was for her to open bank accounts so he could deposit the money he was planning to get. He told Selena that he was going to be inheriting a lot of money from his grandmother and that he needed to hide it from his ex-wife. She agreed to open four accounts in her name for him, oh, which boy, this is not good. where they're from is completely untrue because the law protects inherited money. It's not considered a shared income, yeah. so it, it wouldn't have the ex-wife wouldn't even had a chance anyways, if that were true. Now t- it's interesting, like how secretive he was. Like, I know, like he he wouldn't share his last name. He, he can make up a new first name, but mm-hmm. he can't say Smith. Yeah, I know, or something. Or, you know, Johnson. No pictures, no nothing. It yeah. kinda, it's kind of like you know dating. Yeah, <laughs> online dating right now. Yeah, that first date. Don't take a picture of me. <laughs> My last name is Rupert. <laughs> now Taylor has everything he needs. Enter seventy-eight-year-old Annette and eighty-five-year-old Ivan Steinman. The couple we mentioned earlier that Taylor knew from his former stockbroker days. They already knew Taylor well. During his time as a stockbroker, he used to visit them and go river rafting together. So the Steinmans were very familiar with Taylor. On July 30th, Taylor and his brother Justin arrived at the Steinmans with Don waiting in the truck. They were both wearing suits and carrying briefcases. Once the Steinmans opened the door, they were kidnapped at gunpoint and taken back to Taylor and Justin's house. They forced them to write out checks totaling $100,000, one for $33,000 and another for $67,000. Oh, boy. After they received the checks, they forced Ivan and Annette to take Ropinol, more commonly known as the date rape drug. Justin bashed Ivan's head into the floor and Taylor slit Annette's throat. Holy fuck, Jesus. The next day, they dismembered Ivan and Annette, as well as smashing their teeth out with a hammer. Don held the dismembered heads while they did this. Jesus, that's fucked. Justin was doing most of the work as Taylor claimed he had more important things to do. He had to meditate and listen to the spirit. 
Taylor, Don, and Justin then knelt next to the dismembered bodies and prayed, thanking the Steinmans for their sacrifice. Wow, that's... Dark. That's really dark. You know you're really fucking into it then. They tried feeding the Steinmans to their newly adopted dogs, who were adopted only for this purpose, but it was unsuccessful. So they were put into duffel bags that were weighed down with rocks. Now that that deed was done, Taylor wanted to cash the checks. He sent Don into the bank, undercover, dressed like this to cash them. Are you you fucking kidding me? She is. (laughs) Is that like a velvet fucking jogging suit? Like fucking lime green? She is. And a cowboy hat? She is donning. See what I did there? Oh my god. (laughs) She is donning a lime green tracksuit, a glittery cowboy hat, and rode in on a wheelchair for some reason. Oh, jeez. And I didn't even realize, you didn't mention that she was a fat pig. (laughs) Jesus. Did she need the wheelchair normally because she's so fat? No, she wasn't in a wheelchair before. She was hoping to get sympathy for that fucking outfit and being in a wheelchair? God. Holy fuck. Yeah, inconspicuous. We want to be as inconspicuous as possible. The tellers told them that they couldn't deposit and cash the checks until they had personal verification from Ivan and Annette Steinman, who were now dead. Oh, my God. God. (laughs) Oh, we needed that. Yeah, that one piece. With the plan now foiled, Taylor wanted to cover up his tracks. Selena was the next one to go. Jordan had invited Selena over to his place, and while there, he offered to give her a massage. While she was lying on her stomach, Justin had come up and hit her in the head several times with a hammer. Taylor then said to Selena, quote, Spirit says you get to know this isn't a dream, end quote, and then slit her throat with a hunting knife. Oh man, that is some dark shit right there. Holy fuck. She too was dismembered with the same saw they used for the Steinmans. According to that chapter, they also, which is that great YouTube channel. Yeah. But according to that chapter, they also cut off her tattoo to avoid any identification and fed it to the dog. Oh, and the dogs ate the tattoo. Yeah. Those poor fucking dogs. I know, I know. Because Jennifer, Selena's mother, made that impromptu visit to meet Jordan, a.k.a. Taylor, he decided that she had to go too. Oh, Jesus. This guy is fucking... He thought she knew too much. He's being awfully thorough. Holy Christ. She was sleeping at Selena's apartment because she was house-sitting for Selena, who was supposed to be in Yosemite with Taylor. In the early hours of August 4th, 2000, he entered the apartment and shot Jennifer and her boyfriend James Gamble dead while they were sleeping. Oh my god, this is fucking crazy. Her landlord woke up to the gunshots and the roar of a getaway car. When he went into the hallway, he saw Selena's door open and then the bloodied bodies of Jennifer and James on the bed. Her landlord called 911. On August 4th, both Selena and the Steinmans had been reported missing. The Steinmans' daughter reported them missing as there was no signs from them or any contact. A neighbor would later testify that when she returned home later that day on August 4th, she saw Justin Taylor towing a jet ski trailer with duffel bags in the back of the truck. On August 6th, the Steinman's vehicle was found in an industrial area. Inside was also a chainsaw and a sawhorse. After fingerprinting the car, they lifted the prints of Taylor and Justin. 
Jesus. Like, what fucking These... idiots, considering the lengths they went to. Yeah, how do you forget like, shit oh, like this? Gen- Selena's mother saw my face, so I got to kill her, but I'm not going to wipe down any evidence. Oh, we- the police have only been using fingerprints for 100 years. <laughs> Slipped my mind. Yeah. The police showed up at Taylor and Justin's home with a search warrant. Taylor had fled out the back and went through the neighbor's house. He demanded a weapon or he would kill her. She gave him a steak knife and sewing scissors. Taylor changed into her husband's clothes and cut off his ponytail, then escaped out of her backyard. Police caught up to him, though, only a few blocks away. Oh, my God. Investigators found many items linked to the murder of Jennifer and James, as well as Selena and the Steinman's murders. Later that day, by some miracle in timing, the first two duffel bags had floated to the surface. And so they fucking were shitty at stuffing rocks into a duffel yeah. bag. A man on a jet ski spotted the first bag. When he opened it up, he found a human torso. Oh my god, holy fuck. Can you imagine just finding a torso? I know. An employee of a marina found the other floating bag under the dock about a half mile away. This one had a head inside. Oh, Christ. Dive teams recovered nine more bags in total. The body parts of all of the victims were found intermingled in the bags. Oh, my God. So they just mixed and matched. Yeah. Fuck. It took the coroner's office more than a week to reassemble the body parts. Holy fuck. Glenn Taylor Helzer... Justin Helzer and Don Godman were facing 18 charges, including murder, extortion, and kidnapping. In March of 2004, Taylor pleaded guilty and was sentenced to death. Oh, thank God. That's awesome. Justin Helzer pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. After the trial, a jury found him guilty of 11 counts of murder, extortion, and kidnapping. He, too, was sentenced to death. Perfect. Dawn Godman took a plea deal and testified against Justin and Taylor. She was sentenced to 25 years to life for the murders, 12 years for the other charges related to the murders. In 2010, after being in prison for about four to five years, Justin took two pens and impaled himself with them. He plunged them into his eyes in hopes of hitting his brain in an intent to commit suicide. Oh my god, what a fucking jackass. But all he did was just blind himself. <laughs> stupid bastard. Three years later, though, he succeeded. Oh, fuck. Guards found him hanging in a cell by a bedsheet. Oh, fuck that. How did this stupid blind asshole fucking figure out that there's you know a rafter Maybe above him? someone helped him. Oh. Who knows? Glenn is still on death row in San Quentin State oh, Prison. And what we know about San Quentin? Or that fucking Californians California. don't kill anyone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the last execution was 2006. Oh, fuck that. So this shithead is just going to sit around being fed with fucking American taxpayer dollars. Mm-hmm. So these are the Steinmans, Annette and Ivan. Oh, fuck, that's awful. That's Selena and Selena's mother. That's the boyfriend, James Gamble. Fuck. This is Don Godman. Jesus, they had to get the wide-angle lens for her. Holy Christ. This is um, Taylor. Is that a tattoo on his fucking I face? I think that was like a, a rave face painting. God, he looks like a fucking Jonas brother. Like, he looks very innocent. Like, he looks like a good, a good boy. I guess you can see a little bit of douchebaggery. He kind of looks like a, like a toned-down version of James Franco from uh, yeah. Spring Breakers. I haven't seen that movie, but yeah, I could see that. He looks like a douche. Yeah. That's uh, Justin, who impaled himself with pens. Can you just imagine just like... 
God, that, that'd be fucking hilarious to watch. He looks like a fucking tool. And I just wanted to throw in that picture of Dawn. <laughs> <Again>. <laughs> she is like the epitome of the word frump. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a pack of stupid fucking cunts. So Shit. not like your typical cult story with like a large following, but just how he was able to convince, like his brother from day one always looked up to him. So I can see him being a bit more manipulated to believe these things about his brother Taylor, but to like get two strangers, like so Don think he's a prophet and then to convince Selena to open up the bank accounts, like he definitely, people did describe him as charming. So he definitely used that to his advantage. Like, I get it. Okay, maybe he was charming and he was charismatic, but my goodness, like how stupid are these people? Like, I have a younger brother. The best thing I was able to convince him of was to uh, let me take fucking boardwalk. He landed on Boardwalk when we were playing Monopoly when we were <laughs> fucking like eight, five and eight. And he was like, but isn't Boardwalk good? And I was like, no, 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 you, you, it's too expensive. What you want is Baltic. Is That's, this true? And he was like, all right, all right, all right, I, I'll pass on this one. Is that a true story? Well, yeah, of course. Like, I'm the older brother, you know? Like, <laughs> Yeah, but he wasn't like obsessed with you or looked up to you. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Justin was a fucking idiot. Mm. Did your older brother, like, did you look up to him in a no, cultish way? not one bit. No? No, we didn't get along at all when we were kids. We get along much better now. But my brother and I fought, like, cats and dogs when we were younger. Yeah. Well, there's a lesson for you folks. Uh, would-be parents, don't let your kids become cultish. His sister, Heather, testified there was nothing in their upbringing that would have led to this. This was not a product of his environment or in raising, apparently, from his mother and his parents. They were just Mormons. And he was a good kid growing up, never exhibited any signs of, you know, being a psychopath. You I know, think he got power hungry. You know what, like, wouldn't it be hilarious if he just, like, you know, go back to 1983... He was like fucking 13 years old and he couldn't figure out how to solve this Rubik's Cube and his friend did. And that just like sent him off into this spiraling fucking life of being a fucking asshole. All right. Miss, uh, where is our Dylan McDermott? Oh. Let's reverse gears and listen to his majesty, Dylan McDermott. Honestly, I'm cool with everyone and people pick up on that. I'd say I'm not gay, but it's all good. It's kind of like going to Paris when you don't know the language. Some Americans get into trouble over there. But I'm just like, sorry, I don't speak French. What? Get what? What, what, the, the... what the fuck was that? <laughs> that was oh, the stupidest thing. <laughs> what context was this entire fucking quote said? That was so oh weird. Oh my god, that's, uh, that's incredible. That is just a. I, w I would love to know the context of that fucking sentence, but I'm not gonna look it up. It just <laughs> so it's it, this needs like where are the f professors for this? You yeah, know, like exactly. screw old man in the sea. Let's break this down. Oh man, I would love like it'd be like philosophy 102. Yeah. Dylan McDermott. All right, thank you everyone for sticking around. 
Thanks again, folks, for sticking around. Have a lovely week. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Bye. You can check us out on YouTube at Catum Concoction. That's C-A-T-A-M-C-O-N-C-O-C-T-I-O-N. <laughs> and on Instagram at cast underscore aghast. Remember, there's a silent H. <laughs> <laughs>